0: It's been a while since I've been here. Good to see everybody. Yeah, you're not so happy to see me, but I'm, it's good to see you. It's been a while. Um, I think it's the last time I, we were all together was May, uh, the end of May. So it's been months. Uh, for those who don't know, I was on sabbatical with our family um, this past summer for June, July, and August. Uh, there they are. Look at that awesome family. Look at that. We, don't we look like we were having a good time? That's Ocean City, New Jersey. Come on, that's the best place. Everybody, any, any Ocean City, New Jersey people in the house? Yeah, a few of you? Come on. Core Brothers ice cream, Browns donuts. That's all you need to know. Core Brothers ice cream, Browns donuts. Just every day, just every day you need to go there uh, when, when you're at Ocean City. So anyway, I want to just thank everybody for giving our family the opportunity to get away, to rest, to renew. Um, it was a priceless gift Uh, to us. And I just want to say thank you for affording us the opportunity to do that Uh, in full transparency. We needed it. Uh, We were pretty burned out. Uh, I I was definitely the most burned out, I think, in the family. Um, Was basically just kind of surviving. Anybody relate? You just feel like you're not really living, you are just kind of hanging on, like you're just existing, you're living. Uh, So that was myself. Um, Many things contributed to that. You know, there's so many things going on in our world. Uh, But I was not really, I was not in a good place. And so I'm grateful for that time. I think uh, God knows what we forget, that we have limits. Anybody aware that you have limits? Uh, We're we're not like just, you know, endless resources of energy and passion. We burn out, Um, which is why God gave us the gift of Sabbath, so sabbatical, if you don't know, comes from that word Sabbath. Uh, so it's a, it's a season of rest. And I can't say it loud enough that we all need a weekly Sabbath. Um, you need to receive it. God can do more with six days through you than you can do with seven days in your own strength. Um, you need to trust God for it. And it's not only for your good. It's for the good of those around you. So if you are not in the practice of taking a Sabbath right now, I'm talking to you. Um, working seven days a week and around the clock is not heroic. It's not admirable. It's not impressive. <laughs> it's disappointing. Um, it's, a, it's, it's an issue you have to deal with God about because you're not trusting him. Because God said, take a Sabbath one out of seven, and I can do more than you can. Test me. Watch me. I'll take care of you. Um, so it's foolish and damaging in more ways than we can even recognize. And so for us, that time away, I'm standing here just telling you my story. I needed rest um, in ways I didn't even understand. And taking it took work, and it took decisions and choices and some sacrifices. It took help from others. I had to lean on others to do it. Uh, and it was glorious. <laughs> it, was, it was almost like God knew what he was doing when he told us to take, a, take rests. Kind of like sometimes God knows what he's doing. Anybody? Sometimes God knows? I don't know. Maybe you don't think. I think sometimes God knows what he's doing. Um, so it's been good. Body, mind, soul, being. And uh, and guess what? It's over. <laughs> it's over. We're here now. We're back. Um, and the world is still crazy. Everybody feel like the world's still crazy? Anybody feel like the world's totally for you know perfect now? Good? Because I feel like the world is still a little nuts. Um, in a season of life that is unpredictable and challenging and sometimes frustrating, Um, I've found that because of the rest that we were able to take, I'm approaching this same crazy world that I left, you know, kind of, I didn't leave the world, but I checked out uh, for a little bit, that I'm finding more peace and joy. And it's not because I'm anything special, but I think in those seasons of rest, God is able to speak to us and remind us who he is of our life. And gets us to that point that we go, oh, I can handle the craziness with a sane mind because I'm taking time to listen to God and what he's saying to me. And that, sub- that Sabbath, that weekly rest, uh, I'm just telling you, we need it. We need it. Um, and here's the reason I think we really need Sabbath rest. Um, we still have work to do. We still have work to do. It doesn't end. We're not done being the church. We're not done with what God has put us on this earth to do. Um, There are so many people who need to be loved still. There are people that are hurting who need healing. There are many who are lost and need direction. There are those who are divided and need peacekeepers. Anybody? Anybody think the world's a little divided right now and could use some peacekeepers? There are fearful people who need peace there are oppressed who need justice. There are those who have yet to discover the beautifully transformational power of salvation that is found in a relationship with Jesus. We have work to do. How many of you are tired? <laughs> and the work never ends. It's still time to work. It's not over. And so the race isn't over. We're supposed to be running this race. It's not over. And we get tired, which is why... Um, I could have stayed on sabbatical forever. <laughs> I was liking it. I was like, this is cool. I could, I could do this all the time. This would be great. Wouldn't it be great if you didn't have to work and you just got paid? Like, wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, uh, who wouldn't sign up for that? Um, I would. Uh, but God told me to get back to it. And so we're we're back, and it's time to still keep working, to get back in the race, to keep running. And it didn't take long. As I st- we're September 1st, back in the office. It's been a little while since I've been able to see you because of some things and circumstances, but it didn't take me long to realize that the work now is probably greater than ever, is needed more than ever. Like, we're not done. I feel like, man, we've, it just has only increased. There's much to do, and we've got a ways to go. So, what are we to do when the work never seems to end, when the finish line seems like you can't even see it? Right? We're, we're continuing to work. It's now September. It's almost October. Isn't this crazy? Like it's getting dark out. You guys notice it's getting dark out at nights? I mean, like this year, where'd the year go? It's 20, 2021. It flew by. And there's still more to do. So two scriptures I want to focus on tonight. I'd like to read to you. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6. And it says this. It says, So be truly glad there's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. I mean, that, that's, that's going to be the title of the series that we're about to start now for the next few weeks is Wonderful Joy Ahead. There is wonderful joy ahead. I want to say this a little bit louder for everybody. There is wonderful joy ahead. I want to speak to you. There's wonderful joy ahead. There's wonderful joy ahead. You may have to endure trials for a little while, but there's wonderful joy for you ahead. I don't know if how many of you feel like we're walking into something, and you're like, "Man, I can't wait for tomorrow to find out what." You know, are you joyful about tomorrow, or are you like, "Oh, I'm just, I, uh, I can't wait to hear what else changes tomorrow." I can't wait to hear what else is difficult tomorrow, what gets added to the weight tomorrow. No, there is wonderful joy ahead. So I just want to speak that. If you need to hear this, God make it loud. There is wonderful joy ahead. And Then I want to move to Hebrews chapter 12, one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. And I'm gonna, this is where we're going to land tonight. That's so what I'm going to be talking about. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, Hall of Fame of Faith. Right? Go through the whole, all the names of all these great examples of faith. And if we get to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses of the life of faith, and those are all those he just listed, the writer listed in, in chapter 11. Since we're surrounded, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Keep going. Next slide. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Verse 2, he says this, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame. Now, now, right now, when this was written, and now, and forever, always will be now, the eternal now, now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. He endured it because he saw the joy, and now that's the joy. He sat down. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't give up and become we- then you won't become weary and give up. Love this, he ends with this. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. It's gonna be good. You ready for this? You guys ready? It's gonna be good. Here we go. Ready? Key points here. You are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses. This is not to say that there's a whole bunch of people that are watching you run. Anybody you think you run funny? You're like, I don't want anybody watching the way I run. I've got a funny run. I'm okay on a treadmill where nobody can see me. But if people actually, I would be embarrassed to people watch me run. Like, um, you know, I mean, you think you run like this and you really run like this. You know, we've got like all those things. Okay, when it says, when it says here that you are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses, it's not to say there's a bunch of people watching you. What he's saying is that you have others who have shown you how to run. You are surrounded by examples, by examples of people that have run their race. You want to know how to run this crazy race of life? You're all in a race. You want to know how to run the crazy race? Look for examples. He says, you're surrounded by examples. Examples are everywhere. They are throughout the scriptures. You can go back. He says, you can consider Joseph, who had to run a race where he was constantly start out prideful, thought he was the stuff, life smushed him but he continued to, to just try and journey and keep running. Sometimes you think, maybe some of you, you, you were born with a big head. You thought you were great and life knocked you down, took the air out of you, right, just deflated. But you just kept running because that's the example of Joseph tells you. You keep running. Hardships come. Unfair things come. You're overlooked. Your family rejects you and you just keep going. That's how you run. Joseph is an example. David is an example to us. Hey, listen, Maybe you you, you thought something was going to happen, and it's been years, years. It was a promise, and it's you just waiting and waiting for it to be fulfilled, and it's not there yet. David, you're going to be king, David. Guess what? 15, 20 years later, he's still not king. It's not fair. What's going on? David shows us how to keep running when we're waiting for a big dream or vision that hasn't yet materialized. Abraham and Sarah, they wanted children. You want to know how to live when life's disappointing and you feel like you don't have what everybody else has? Look at their story. Look at how they run. Look at Moses, abandoned, raised by someone else. He should have been dead, oppressed. Then he has to. Then he's then he's ostracized from his the people that raised him. He's out in the wilderness, trying to God. What are you doing with me? God sends him to do this impossible thing, and you feel like I can't do this. This is overwhelming. It's too big for me. It's too much for me. I'm not qualified for what you're asking me to do. You want to know how to run that race? You are surrounded by examples of people who have run their race. You just need to read their stories. You are surrounded. History is filled with examples of people who have run some crazy races. And we're not just called to run the race, we're called to run it well. It's not good enough just to be like, all right, I ran three steps, I'm done. Right? Some people, right, we, we, we see people who are taking the 5Ks right, and after 1K they're walking. Right? They're, not, they're not doing it. We're called to run with, with excellence, to strip off everything that hinders, that if you know that in your life what you're supposed to be doing and that there are things that are just holding you back, maybe there's baggage in your life. Maybe there's some behaviors, some habits that you know are not okay. Maybe there's patterns of thinking that you know are not healthy. Maybe there's just stuff in your life that you're struggling with. Maybe there's hurt and brokenness. And you know that stuff is just holding you back. Maybe there's fear or doubt. Whatever it is, if there's sin, he just says, hey, you're supposed to run well. You've got to throw that stuff off. Throw it off. Again, you want examples? Read throughout the Scriptures. There's all examples of people who had stuff. David had stuff. Saul had stuff. Paul had stuff. Peter had stuff. Everybody's got stuff. And learn how they threw it off and learn to run run with excellence but here's the here's the real the key here this race demands endurance it is not a sprint john's wife crystal is about to run when is she running just finished just now today yeah she ran a hundred mile race today could we do that collectively like if each of us took a mile no like even if we divvied up everybody in here we just did what like it would take she'd beat us like that 100 miles. Guess what? That's not a sprint. They don't say go and everybody's just taken off. Right? Like 100 you tell me 100 miles go? Uh, here we go. I'm just it's going to be a while, right? And pace yourself. 100 mi- How do you pace yourself for a, an endurance race that lasts a lifetime? It's a combination of physical fitness, mental toughness, and vision. It's not about speed, but it's about pace and wisdom and strategy and togetherness. You've heard the saying: If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I believe that was Al Gore. It's a joke. Uh, It was an old African proverb. Um, I think he I think he quoted it, and somebody attributed it to him um, years ago. I don't know. It's in my head. endurance we're supposed to run with endurance that means that you keep running no walking you just keep going and run well i don't know about you but i get tired of running sometimes and it's hard to run with endurance there are days where i'm like man i don't feel like running today i don't feel like trying today i don't feel like doing what's right today And that's where we need other people to come into our lives and to help us. And it says this, let us run with endurance. This line says, the race God has set before us. It says, look at that, you know, it just stood out to me. God has assigned you a race. You're not just randomly in a race. And you're not in my race and I'm not in your race. You are meant to run with endurance, the race God has set before you. And I'm supposed to run the race God has set before me, which means we are all assigned races. There's no accidents. You are supposed to be who you are, where you are, and when you are. We're supposed to be on the Earth, 2020, 2021, throughout this entire thing. No accidents that we're here right now. I wish I'd been. How many of you wish you'd been born in like a different time? Like, man, it would've been cool. Been born somewhere. you know, this is the appointed time that God has put you on this earth you are meant to be here now and the verse wraps up with this says we we do this by keeping our eyes how do we run with endurance we do this by keeping our eyes on jesus the champion he won the race he ran his race and he won his race who initiates and perfects our faith though others have shown us examples there's no better example than jesus Nobody's a better example than him. He is like the example of all examples of how to run. Right? None had as much at stake as he did. None had given up as much as he did to run. F.F. F. Bruce is a theologian, and he says this, To die by crucifixion was to plumb the lowest depths of disgrace. It was a punishment reserved for those who were deemed most unfit to live, a punishment for those who were subhuman, Romans couldn't be crucified. This was like, if you were a citizen, you couldn't even, they couldn't do that to you. It was for, like, the dregs of society. What we notice about the way Jesus ran is this. His life was not free from pain. He didn't run an easy race. On the contrary, his race was agonizing. Did you know, I think this is funny, that the Greek word for race like a running race, is actually comes from the word agon, A-G-O-N. Want to guess what word we get from that? (laughs) Agony, because that's what a race is. It's agony. Listen, I hate running. I don't think it's fun at all. I don't understand, Crystal. I don't understand anybody who would run for pleasure. It's in the word. It means agony. It's a race that's agonizing. It's terrible. It's awful. I don't know. Maybe some of you get that runner's high. I've never felt it. I don't get it. Uh, And I'm not going to try. It's not about a pleasure run. It's a strenuous, challenging battle, a contest that would cost the participants. So Jesus ran the agonizing battle and he endured it. And how did he do it? This is the question. This is where we want to get to today. How did he do it? How did he run with such fortitude, with such strength? With such endurance, with such perseverance in the face of incredible opposition, rejection, being betrayed by his own followers. People openly confronted him, rejected him, sought to silence and kill him. He didn't need Facebook or Twitter to tell him how awful it was. People just said it to his face. They beat him up physically. They spit on him. They tried to kill him many different times. They found people that would try to lie about him. They would buy people, pay them off to lie about him. He had so much opposition. And then, not only did they question his character and his motives, but then they nailed him to a cross to try and say, in your death we will make you the lowest of the low. We will show everybody how worthless you really are. Yet on the cross, he kept running he says father forgive them but they don't know what they're doing he continued to run his race with endurance how did he do it it was the joy awaiting him for the joy awaiting him he endured how did he do it by the joy awaiting him see joy was the fuel that powered his endurance. Joy was the breath that filled his lungs. Joy was what enabled him to not only run his race, but to do it with love all the way to the end. And as I'm thinking about this, what was he joyful about? He's trying to save people, and they don't get it. If it's me, like, that's... You can have it. Forget you. I left heaven for this. I can't. He, had, he had an eternal sabbatical. He was in heaven. Just listen. It was great. Didn't have to work a day. Everything was perfect. And he left there to come show us the love of God. And what did the world do? They killed him. Forget that. Yet with joy, he endured. And his joy was not, clearly not in his present circumstances. It wasn't like, hey, this, these nails feel great. It wasn't like, hey, I love it when you attack me. I love it when you accuse me of things. Bring, bring it more. This is so joyful, right? This is so great when you betray me. This is great. Keep it up. You know, hey, listen, I'm, I've been teaching you for three years, and you still don't get what I'm telling you. This is great. No, I, this is, his joy was not in his present circumstances. His joy was what awaited him, that he was going to sit down one day in the place of honor And it came down to this. This is what it all comes down to. This is what gave Jesus joy. Ready? Because he knew that when it was all said and done, the race was going to be worth it. That's what gave him joy. Joy was not like, this is fun, this is pleasurable, but the joy was in the fact that this is going to be worth it. The struggle, the pain everything that I'm doing, all the sacrifices I'm making, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. He did not run annoyed. He did not run irritated. He did not run defensive. He did not despise his race. He did not run his race pridefully. He didn't wish he could be running someone else's race. He didn't compare He ran with joy the race he had been assigned because he's our example of all examples. He knew what was coming. And I love how the verse wraps up. Verse 4, After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. He says, you're not dead yet. How many feel like that's, that's your, how are you doing? I'm not dead yet. Anybody answer that way? I've, I've, I'm, I've taken to it. I kind of think it's a good answer. everybody says, "Hey, how you doing? Not dead yet? right that's good. It's positive. It's in the scripture. I'm just quoting Hebrews 12:4. "I haven't given my life uh, in, in my struggle with sin yet. I'm not dead yet." So what does that mean for us? If that's the example of Jesus, what does it mean for us? The hits are going to keep coming. The challenges are going to keep coming. We're human and we're going to get tired. It's easy to lose our way, to lose focus, to not be ourselves. I see a whole lot of followers of Jesus who are fighting and bickering and that are scared and self-centered and becoming a lot like the broken world around us. I see a lot in the church that don't look any different than anybody outside the church. See, the world's a hostile place and it seeks to keep our feet from running, to compel us to to walk, to be distracted, (laughs) perhaps to forget that we're even in a race. See, we've got an enemy that wants to divert us, that wants to help us just leave the race behind and say, forget that. Forget that. It's not worth it. It's not worth the pain. It's not worth the struggle. It's not worth all that hardship. But we've got a race in front of us that has been assigned to us, and we've got an example in front of us. And the word says that it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. So here's the secret to endurance. If you want to know how to keep going, how do we keep going when we have an enemy that wants to stop our feet from running, wants us to quit trying, just give in and be like everybody else and be miserable? The secret to endurance is joyful hope. It's joyful hope. It's joy that's the strength that keeps our legs pumping when there should be no reason for us to keep running, when we should say, this is too much. It's joy that gives us endurance to run our race well, no matter what comes, no matter what tomorrow brings. I don't wake up and go, oh, how awful is it going to be today? I wake up and I go, you know what, God's put me here. This is the race in front of me. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Every time I'm going to have to love somebody that's unlovable, it's going to be worth it. Every time I'm going to try, it's going to be worth it. The secret to endurance is that joyful hope that this is going to be worth it. It's not in my present circumstances. It's what's awaiting. So if you want to discover that same joy, really very simple. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He got us started running. He's going to teach your feet to be fast. When you keep your eyes on Jesus, you run the race like you were meant to. He planted that seed of faith in you. He's going to bring it to perfection. He's going to grow it. Press into Jesus. I'm telling you right now, we need to get our eyes off of whatever else we're looking at and keep our eyes on Jesus. We need to get in the Word. If you're not reading your Bible every day, Sorry, I'm not on sabbatical anymore. If you don't, read, if you don't read your Bible every day, what's, what are you doing? You're not reading examples of how to run well. You're probably running lousy races if you're not in the Word every day. It's a, it doesn't have to be—you don't have to be a theologian, but you should make time every single day. You make time every day to drink a cup of coffee. You make time to work out. You make time to read the news. How about before you read the news, you read the truth. You read The Source of Joyful Hope before you read that news. You want a good perspective? Start there every single day. This is it. Keep your eyes on Jesus. It doesn't say sometimes put your eyes on Jesus. Once a week, put your eyes on Jesus. Once a month. Hey, we have services once a month, right? Once a month, put your eyes on Jesus. No. Keep your eyes. Keep keeping them. Always, constantly, throughout your day, continue to keep your eyes on Jesus. Be in the Word This is not the time to to slack off. This is the time to press in more. The work is only getting harder. It's only having... And you can't grind your way through this. It's not like, hey, I'm just going to try harder. No, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Him. Listen more for His voice. Spend time in prayer. Press into Jesus. Spend more time with Him, not less. Branches are going to resume in a few weeks. We're going to announce them next week, uh, which which groups are available, what different times and things like that. I'm going to tell you, get in a group. Why? Because you can't run well alone. You're not designed to go far alone. You can go fast alone, but when you go fast, you burn out. You want to sprint a hundred-mile race? I will see you in five minutes. Puking your guts out on the side of the road. Those are Christians who try to run alone. Doesn't work. You do it lousy. And if anybody's not telling you the truth, I'm going to tell you, you don't run well when you run alone. Get in a group. They're not hard. They're, they're, it's easy to do. Find a time that's convenient. Make it a priority. Run with people. You need each other. We need each other. That's how we run well with endurance. If you're not feeling joyful right now, if there's not something in you, if you don't feel like this is worth it, very simply, you're probably not looking to Jesus enough because it's abundantly worth it. There's no question. It's not just, hey, it's kind of worth it. No, it's joyful, overflowing. Man, this is worth it. It's worth it. Let me tell you, this is a frustrating year and a half as a pastor. This church has been, I love this church. It has been difficult to pastor in this. I don't find joy in struggling and having people You know, just struggling in so many different ways. We've got so many people dividing all sorts of stuff, people having just rough years. I don't take joy in the struggle, but you know what I take joy in? That this is worth it. That what we're doing is worth it. That it's going to matter in eternity. That there's something coming that makes it matter. We are no good to the world as believers when we lack joy. We're no good. They don't need us barely gasping for air. They need us singing as we run. Again, I've never seen, I I don't see happy runners. You look at people on the street, they don't look happy. They look awful. People who are running, I mean, they, they, like their face is terrible. That's why I don't want to run, nobody looks happy. But that's not what the world needs from us. They don't need us to be Pollyanna and everything's fine. No, the world is terrible, but my joy is that this is worth it, that following Christ is worth it, that doing life together is worth it, that love is worth it, sacrifice is worth it, that our hope is worth it, forgiveness is worth it, all of those things. We need to be the light. I want to close with a story of how this played out this week. Nikki, if you want to come on i and just play. We're going to close and then we'll, do a, we'll receive communion together. As soon as I returned to the office here uh, at La- in Robbinsville, um, most of our pastoral staff, as you know, got COVID. Um, I was concerned for them. Clearly, hope everybody be okay. And it was wow. Okay, thought I was coming back. It was going to be great. Here we go. We're going to run, and it's going to be awesome. And had to cancel Encounter Night two weeks ago. Okay, it's all right. Well, community day. We'll all we'll all meet at community day. We'll have a great time. Community day canceled. All right. Well, felt like there was so much instability over these past few months as our church. We, you know, we moved from the seventh day Adventist church to here. We moved to different day, different time. You know, different location. We're trying to trying all sorts of things, Saturday night services, we're trying small groups. We're, we're just trying to keep people connected. We're doing all these things. We felt like there was so much instability. We needed to be as dependable as possible. And so we decided that starting tonight, we were going to resume our weekly services here. And resume our services here. From this point forward, we're having Saturday night services. Sound good? Every every week. We're weekly services. Stop saying I'm having plans. <laughs> I'm tired of plans getting... Changed, but a few days ago,
1: just due to some
0: scheduling conflicts, we found out that we can't stay here. This building's not going to be available to us this fall. Oh boy. (laughs) And at that moment, I was like, okay, God, listen, I just took a sabbatical. I've been back three weeks. I'm tired already. I don't want to run anymore. It's not worth it. Enemy, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not making a difference. It's not meant to be. Quit running, quit trying. And then I began preparing for this message. God, have a sense of humor. And God said, hey, keep your eyes on me and run with endurance. (laughs) You're not dead yet. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. So, you know what? We just prayed. You know what? Within 24 hours, another door opened. And I'm free to announce that we're going to continue to meet on Saturday nights for the rest of the year, but we're not going to do it here. Next week we'll be here. It's our last week here. We're moving to the senior center. We're going back to the senior center. That door opened for us. So, we can come on, let's clap for that. That's exciting. familiar location for us. We spent years there previously. Township has graciously given us an opportunity to return. But it's really not about the buildings at all. Here's the point. When life and circumstances and the weariness of our disappointments and pain try to stop us from running, when you feel like it's not worth it today to even try to follow Jesus. It's not worth it to do what I know is right. Nobody's going to see it. Nobody's going to care. It's not making a difference. It's not worth it. When you do all that, can I just encourage you? Keep your eyes on Jesus. You're not dead yet. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And allow the joy of hope to be the strength of your being that it's going to be worth it that there is wonderful joy ahead that you're going to get there and you're going to persevere and on the other side you're going to come out and go you know what it was hard it was awful it was painful and it was worth it, it was worth it because God who promised is faithful and he said there's wonderful joy coming so you just keep running so if you're here or if you're listening Wherever you are, and you're just, maybe you're just feeling like you don't have any strength left to run. Can I just encourage you right now? Jesus did it. You can read Hebrews 11 and read story after story for story. And guess what? Look around you. We're all trying to run. We may not be the best runners in the world, but you know what? We're not quitting. Not dead yet. So we're just going to keep on going. God is not done writing your story. He's not done writing my story. He's not done writing our story. So let's run together all the way to the end. Let's keep going. So, just to clarify, we'll meet here next week. Same same bad time, same bad channel. Six o'clock, we will be here. Then the following, which will be our actual 11-year birthday, our anniversary. October 9th will be that Saturday. The 10th is uh, we, we launched on 10-10-10 was when Life Free officially began. So crazy that it'll be 11 years. So on 10-9, October 9th, we will be at the Robbinsville Senior Center at 6 p.m. for our services. Kids ministry, all the same stuff's going to happen there. It's going to be a good time. We'll have some fun with that. We'll celebrate. But just want to encourage you. God's not done yet. You're not dead yet, so let's keep running. We're going to receive communion. When you came in, you should have received a, uh, a wafer like this and a cup like this. If you didn't get that, just uh, raise your hand and our ushers will make sure that you have it. All right, we got it. one back there. Um, Marissa's getting it. Thank you, Marissa. Uh, anybody else, just keep your hands up until they, uh, until they come back. Just make sure everybody's been served. Then closing with communion is a perfect expression of both joy and hope. See, communion is a, a celebration. Communion is not like a, it's, it's sacred, yes, but it's not sad. We need to make sure, communion is not sad, it's, it's holy, but it's a celebration. It's a celebration of what Jesus has done for us. It's a celebration of joy and hope. It's all about joy and a promise, joy today in a promise that is coming tomorrow. The bread represents his body, broken as he ran his race. So we could have an example of how to live this life with joy. And the cup represents his blood, the ultimate sacrifice for us. And that's the reason we can have hope that every sacrificial step of ours will be worth it because he didn't waste it. It was worth it to him, so it's worth it for us. I'm going to take a moment and before we go to communion, I just want you to search your heart. Just do some introspection. Are you joyful? Right, Right where you are, you can close your eyes or do whatever you need to, but are you joyful today? Do you have hope what you're doing in following Jesus is going to be worth it. So let God speak to you for just a few moments. Lord, we thank you thank you that we can keep our eyes on you and that you keep our feet going when even when those around us may fall Lord, you are what sustains us you're what compels us you're what puts that breath back into our lungs that strengthens our weak and tired legs Lord, it's, it's that vision you plant inside our spirit to let us know that there's wonderful joy ahead and we can keep running, that nothing we do is wasted. It's going to be worth it. So God, we thank you today as we remember what you've done for us. Lord, you sacrificed for us. You ran your race, not for you. You didn't need it, but you did it for us because you loved us. So God, I thank you for that. Lord, I ask today that as we hold this bread in our hands, that it would be a reminder to us, Lord, of your great love for us, that we can have joy, that we can have joy by keeping our eyes on you. You gave us that physical example. Let us always look to you. We commit ourselves, we'll keep our eyes on you today and in the week to come. In your wonderful name we pray, amen. Take out that bread and then let's eat together. The cup, he said, represents his blood. Let's take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this cup. Lord, it gives us a reason for hope. Lord, the forgiveness, the salvation that you offer us. Lord, you say you will forgive our sins. You have forgiven us, God. You paid the price so that our race will not be in vain. We won't get to the end and you go, ah, you messed up too much. Ah, you didn't run fast enough. You you didn't love enough over here. You weren't forgiving enough. Lord, as we just follow you, what this cup represents is that you have grace for us. That it's not about our perfection, but it's about yours. It's not about our holiness, but yours. And you confer upon us your righteousness. We are covered under you. Like when it's our turn to stand before God and give account of our lives, you will step forward and say, paid for, loved, saved, and forgiven. That's what this cup reminds us. So it's a a celebration of hope, God, that there is wonderful joy ahead that this life of trusting you and following you is not going to be wasted. You will be faithful to fulfill our salvation. What we hope for will one day be a reality. I thank you for that wonderful, wonderful promise. In your good name we pray. Amen. Let's drink together. I'm just going to invite the band back up. Closing song just want to say again it's good to see it's good to be back and uh, we're gonna run we're gonna keep running God's got God's got good stuff ahead for life tree for you for us this year so I don't know where how hopeful you you feel about this year but I'm filled with hope God's God's good he will do it